But now we get to the part where I'm excited about. Not to say I wasn't excited about the first hour. That is not true. But this message has been boiling in me for the last couple of weeks. You know, for those who know me, you know that most of my sermons come from God's correction to me. <laughs> so you should be very happy that God continues to correct me. Um, because through that correction comes messages. And I'm very, very okay with being translucent to us all and letting you know where I've missed the mark. Because I've noticed when ministers don't do that, a lot of people, like my mentees, they assume that we're perfect. I never forget around age 15 when my dad told me he wasn't perfect. But the whole world just stopped. What? James Glenn, you're not perfect? And he looked at me and said, oh, no, oh, no, 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 no. God chooses imperfect people to do a perfect thing. So I thank God for that. Father, in Jesus' name, I pray that you will bless me this morning. Lord, bless me to speak your truth that you have given to me for this time. I pray that the spiritual ears will be open of all those who hear this. And if this message falls upon someone who doesn't know you, I pray that they will feel the love in it and want a relationship with you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I'm putting on my timer because I feel the spirit of preach coming on. I was telling my friends that the young people at CMU taught me if you say a word twice, it's more powerful. So this morning I'm going to preach, preach. Hallelujah. <laughs> my sermon this morning is entitled God Over Self. God Over Self. Since I've been married to Alice, it will be 10 years this October. Yes, she has dealt with me this long. We've had several conversations that has turned into me defending my stance to selfish thoughts of me and my needs. I remember countless conversations when she tried to lead me to serve people more. And my main defense was, that's not my ministry. That's your ministry. You serve the people. I'm going to keep my stuff. Several conversations. Listen, this has happened before we got married. So uh, probably 15 years of our relationship has been consistently my wife telling me, I need to be more like Jesus. Now, she didn't say that. She just said, you need to have a heart for people. You need to think about other people. And every time I'm telling her, I am thinking about other people when I preach, when I sing. But when I get home, I want my stuff. I want my shoes. I want my car. I want my 40th birthday party to look like this. I want, I want, I want. And I found no issue with what I was talking about. A week or so ago, one of these type of conversations came up again. 
And I defended my stance once again to her. I told her, you're crazy if you think that I'm going to be thinking about other people when I should be thinking about the safety of me and my children and my wife. I don't care about my neighbor. I was like, the Bible tells me to um, take care of my neighbors, but my first ministry is my family, and the only thing I'm thinking about is my family. And she looked at me and said, okay. I went to my room because Joni has spoken. Went to my room, I grabbed my devotion, and I opened it up to Rick Renner's devotion, and it was 2 Timothy 3 and 2. And I began to read it. We're going to read it here in a second. I began to read it, and all of a sudden, the Lord spoke to me and said, how many times must I speak through your wife to you and you don't listen? Well, uh... Okay. And this is what the scripture I read. I'm going to read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5. But the key of what I'm going to talk about today is 2 Timothy 3 and 2. But mark this. There will be terrible times in the last days. People will be lovers of themselves. Lovers of money. Boastful, proud, abusive, disobedient to their parents. Ungrateful, unholy, Without love, unforgiving, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not lovers of the good, treacherous, rash, conceited, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having a form of godliness but denying his power. But the entire devotional was on verse 2. People will be lovers of themselves. When I read that, the Holy Spirit was like, this is for you. First of all, let me explain that Rick Renner's devotionals are set up by days. That just so happened to be the day me and my wife got into the argument, setting me up. The Holy Spirit set me up with the argument, got into my room, and Rick Renner and the Holy Spirit lead him did the rest. And I was broken. I felt it instantly. I was choosing self over God. I have fallen into the thought process that I was the most important thing. But I'm a man of God. How, how, how does this thing happen? I believe in the stuff that we sang about this morning. And, and God and Jesus and the Holy Spirit. How did I find myself as a lover of myself? God was trying to alert me that I was becoming a lover of me. And so many years he used Alice to show me a mirror of who was I becoming. And I chose not to listen through her. I was being like a God over my life. I was becoming the master of my own fate. That's some scary water. That's some scary water to be in. So the question before I transition, has God been speaking to you and you haven't been listening? 
Has God been trying to tell you that you're falling into the things that the Bible tells us in the last days that we will fall into if you don't watch it? Listen, it's his job to warn us if your spiritual ears are open. If you're waking up in the morning, jumping straight to your cell phone. If you're waking up to the morning, starting to eat right away, you may be missing out on the Holy Spirit trying to warn you about the traps of the enemy that you're falling into. I don't know how I got to that spot, but I did. Let me remind you what God believes about idols. Of course, the Ten Commandments in Exodus 20, verse 3 through 6. You shall have no other gods before me. You shall not make for yourself a carved image, any likeness of anything that is in heaven above or that is in the earth beneath or that is in the water under the earth you should not bow down to them nor serve them for I the Lord your God am a jealous God visiting the iniquity of the fathers upon the children to the third and fourth generations of those who hate me by showing mercy to thousands to those who love me and keep my commandments it is God's command one of his first commands to his people to have no other gods and that includes yourself that includes you. That included me. The reason why I believe this behavior wasn't checked because maybe I believe it wasn't the idols of the historical biblical sense. I didn't have a God of wood, a, a God of gold that I was bowing down to. So how could Joni become the focus of my fate? How could I become the master of something that I don't own? The moment we become Christians, the Bible tells us that we've been bought with a price. We're no longer our own. This is no longer just our mind or just our heart or the way we love, the way we speak and the way we move and the way we have been on this earth is no longer just our decision. We have declared that we belong. We've been bought by a price. In I became a lover of myself. Above godly teaching, above godly direction. You know what Proverbs teaches us? That we should not lean on our own understanding, but acknowledge him and he would direct us. But when Joni put himself in the throne, I was acknowledging myself and allowing myself to direct me. Oh, I'm not, I'm not the only one in this seat I know I'm not the only one who has fallen for this trap, but it's not the historical, biblical gods. It's not Baal. I'm not bowing down to Baal. I'm just doing what I want, Lord. <laughs> um, God still sees it as an idol. I want you to say this. I will choose God over self. Say that. I would choose God over self. Say that one more time. I would choose God over self. So there I was back in my room. It was almost midnight by then. My wife was in the living room finishing up some stuff. 
And I was there with the realization of what God just revealed to me, that I was becoming a lover of myself. I was making decisions for me. And then all of a sudden, God began to show me the things that I was doing that I thought were simple just doings, but it was in the heart of me loving myself. Some of you may have noticed, you know, I've been losing weight. I take a picture of comparison of old Joni to the new Joni. And I put it on Facebook. I put it on Twitter. And I was receiving all types of praise. I was receiving all types of texts and all types of, of, of likes. And I was checking my phone. I was loving it. I was going back and forth. And the Lord said, you see, you love their praise. I went to Facebook. I deleted the picture instantly. I went to Twitter. I deleted it instantly. The Lord starts showing me a pattern of ways that I was beginning to receive the praise. It was a simple picture to some of you thinking, Joni, it was just a simple picture on Facebook. But God saw the root of it. Becoming a lover of self. Wanting praise for something you're supposed to be doing for health. But you really want to be noticed. I had to take it off. And then he sh- when I made that decision, he shifted to my money. And that's a no-no zone for me. That's what usually me and Alice get in arguments about. I want to save the money. She wants to give it away. I want to keep the money and buy what I want when I want it. She wants to give it away. Listen, my life group knows that I literally have a scale of what car I'll be driving till the day I die. Right now, I'm on scale two. My Chrysler 300. My next scale is Cadillac. My last scale, when I'm some dean of students or president of university, is a Benz. My wife knows this. We can't give money away if I'm saving for my Cadillac. But the Lord is funny about the goals of men. So he shifted from Facebook to my money and said, so you don't believe I'm going to bless you. You're hoarding your money. You're keeping your money from serving people. When I was speaking to your wife, it was me telling you to give it up. So some of you are going to be receiving random checks from me soon. Could the Lord told me, get rid of some of this. And then the last part is my perfect body. If you ever see a picture of me in the Dominican Republic, wow. I did two days. I had muscles that you could see. Instead of my one app, I actually had six. Some of y'all laughed at that. Mike is laughing at that. I was in the shape of my life, but you know what the problem is, y'all? I knew it. I walked differently. I flirted with everybody. I wanted to be noticed. I posted pictures of me posing, and I was a lover of self. And God showed me, are you returning to that? Come on, I'm not the only one going through this. I am not the one that God plucked out of our church and said, you're the screw up in this area, now preach about it. I know I'm not. I, at that moment, it was midnight, or it was almost one o'clock in the morning by then. You know, I had to 
eat my foot and tell Alice I was sorry as she walked in the room. She was like, for what? I was like, it's a long story. I can't even, even jump in it yet. So hopefully you're listening, honey, so I don't have to repeat myself later in life. This is my apology message. But she, the whole time, God is trying to use my wife, my help me, my better half to get me to the place where I need to be to be the man of God that he's called me to be. But I can't be the man of God he's called me to be if I'm a lover of self, putting myself on the throne and leaving God there for just the blessings and the miracles and just for churchy moments. So right then and there, I obeyed God's change, and I dove in deeper into my Bible and my prayer life. Like, seriously, I dove in. But I'm convinced that when we are reminded of the greatness of God, we realize that there's no other room on the throne. See, we put our human thinking on God. We give God human characteristics. But he is not a human. He is the creator of galaxies, the creator of light, the creator of water. We're going to think about him in our human brain and put him on our level. He is bigger than that to the point where his characteristics, his characteristics have names. Healing, Jehovah Rapha. What's the last? No. Y'all want to hear something deep? I tried to explain this to my kids the other day. When Moses asked who he was, his answers were, I am. Just think about that for a second in our human understanding. You ask someone who they are, and their answer is, I am. I am is everything. Right? His answer was, I am. I'm trying to tell an eight-year-old, a six-year-old this. They're looking at me like, yeah, Dad, because he's God. No, you don't get it. I am. And when you know that who you worship is I am, there is no room for the throne for anything else. His greatness, his glory, his uncomparable characteristics. But I would like to talk to you about what I consider and what I've named the human condition. It's probably a better biblical or spiritual way to name it, but that's why I call it the human condition. When you read from the beginning of the Bible to the end, you have the children of God. They have experienced a miraculous retreat from Egypt. And then you have the Red Sea. And then you have the manna coming from heaven. And then you have the birds. And then you have God giving them water. And then you have the River Jordan. And then you have the walls of Jericho. And then you have you're beating up every other pagan people to claim your big promise. And miracle after miracle. And every time the human condition comes in, you forget about the miracles of yesterday and you begin to become a lover of self. And then what equally opens up the door to other gods. I'm not judging. It's in the Bible. This happened over again. If you read in the book of Judges, it says, oh, the people of God did well. God showed up. God saved them. And then the next chapter starts, and the people of God did evil in the eyes of God. That happened over and over again. It's the human condition. 
God does so many things for us. And then some reason our human brain forgets the blessings of yesterday. And today we start to become lovers of self, which opens up the door to release another gods for you to worship. So God reminded me of my things. He saved me from dying three times in the Dominican Republic. Once from being beat with bats, once from being electrocuted in my shower, and once from being hit by a car. All three times, very miraculous, very God. God saved me from dying at 21, playing drums in the church. My appendix burst while playing drums in the church. We went out to eat. I went home. The next morning, I tried to go to work. I didn't go to the hospital till the very next night at 6 p.m. And your boy is still alive. You can't tell me that's not God. My appendix burst. It didn't hurt. It burst. That defies any type of doctor thing. He gave me a beautiful wife and beautiful, healthy kids. He, he allowed me to survive a tornado. Some of you may not know this, that big tornado that was in Nashville a couple months ago. I was there. I was one mile in my hotel, and I slept through the alarm. <laughs> While everybody is freaking out, getting shelter in the stairwell, I'm in my bed. Out. One mile away from devastation. <laughs> he healed my back. Some of y'all remember that time when I was bedridden for almost three months and my pregnant wife had to take care of me, you know, because, you know, I had two blown discs and my back was out and he took me from the depths of that, took me out. And out of all of that, I became a lover of Joni. After all of that, and listen, and that's just a fraction of the blessings that God has given me. A fraction of what he's done in my life. A fraction of what he's done for my wife's health and my kids. A fraction. And through all of that, the human condition sticks in, comes in. Joni's the main focus. And if I didn't catch myself now, the door would be open to other gods. It's so important that you hear me now. We must fight this human condition, stand against idols and keep our almighty God and his son, Jesus Christ, at the head of your house. Do you remember what God has done for you? Have you written them in journals? Listen, it got so bad that when they crossed the River Jordan, they actually put memory stones down. Hey, let us not forget this time. Right? Remember why it took us 40 years to get through? Because y'all forgot and start acting crazy. Moses went up to the mountain. They talked to God. He came down. The human condition happened so quick. Oh, my God, it's a golden calf. What the heck? I wasn't going that long. <laughs> Within days, they had a golden calf. God just split the sea. Now, who can I judge? God just blesses me over and over again. And there I was, a lover, a self. So when that door opens up, what are the other idols that come in? Maybe it's the worship of your political party. Maybe it's the worship of relationships or materialism or personal praise. That's my example. 
And the list can go on and on. There's too many people caring so much what our political parties are doing more than they're caring about God. It's because self has taken over, the door is open, and now you so Republican, you so Democrat, you're starting to talk like them, and you should be talking like God. Or you're so in love, my baby this, my baby that. You haven't prayed in a month. You haven't done anything, but you're making sure that you and your baby Zoom every night. Y'all make sure y'all get together. Y'all watch Netflix. Y'all chill. You're doing all of this, and you've forgotten about God. That's an idol. Anything that sits on the throne is not supposed to be there. And that includes my challenge of losing weight. If I put that in the front of my love for God or my trust in Jesus, It's an idol. And the last time I checked, Exodus says, and I am a jealous God. He's not going to let it go down, people. So check your gates. See what's open. Make sure that there's no other gods in your life. 1 Corinthians 10, 14 says, therefore, my beloved, flee from idolatry. Not walk away. La, la, la. La, la, la. No, flee. You know, I'm not like pastor. I don't know the Hebrew words. I know the Saginaw words for, free, um, for flee is run, sucker, run. <laughs> run. Flee idolatry. When I walk, when I talk, I want to be seen as one who has spent time with Jesus. Something's different with Joni, the way, the way, you know, I remember when I was deep into Jesus in college, I remember seeing my cousin Brian, and he smiled, and I said, what's wrong? He said, I can tell you've been with Jesus. Something different about you. Something different about how you love and, and how you hug people and how you speak or how you tweet or how, what you say on Facebook is a little bit different. Some of us are ready to pounce on people the moment they say something politically different than you. Check that at the door. Hallelujah. There's some Christians mad at me today, but I don't care. Hallelujah. I want to end with this. We must attack idolatry with boldness. With boldness, right? Fleeing is a bold move. Boldness. I'm reminded of the three Hebrew boys in Daniel's three. If you look at Daniel three, Verse 16 through 18. Before I get there, let me set the scene. The children of God, because of their multiple human conditions, found themselves taken and captured by the Babylonian people. They were conquered. And a lot of Israelites were taken back to Babylon. A lot. So there we were at this moment, King Nebuchadnezzar made a decree that once the music began, that everyone there in Babylon, they must bow down to this idol. Um, If you are a part of the children of Israel, you know the Ten Commandments. You know the rules of the time. I just read it to you. There should be no other God beside me. Bowing shows a reverence for that God. Bowing shows that you have submitted to that God. So there was the decree. 
I want you to remind you that in the crowd are other Israelites. Let's start reading in verse 16. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, they decided not to do it, right? So the king was mad, and the king said, if you don't bow, I'm going to throw you into some hot fire. And with boldness, this is how they responded. Oh, Nebuchadnezzar, we have no need to answer you in this matter. If that is the case, our God whom we serve is able to deliver us from the burning fiery furnace and he will deliver us from your hand, O king. But if not, let it be known to you, O king, that we do not serve your gods, nor will we worship the gold image which you have set up. Not only did they deny his God, they said, listen, if you want to take us out because we don't worship your God, it's okay. We know that our God is huge. See, when you know your God is big, even death doesn't scare you because when you worship the I am, even I am is greater than death. So even if you have to stand against the idols of 2020, I dare you with boldness to stand against it, to stand and say, I don't care, O king. I don't care who you are. I don't care who what you say. I am going to stand for my God. I am going to stand for Jesus Christ in this day and I will do it with boldness. Hallelujah. Woo. The problem is we need more Hebrew boys. But sometimes we end up being the ones in the crowd who kind of um, assimilate it. The Bible only records three people not bowing. Um, so there were some God people bowing. Will you bow in these last days? Will you bow? Will you choose to be a lover of yourself? Or will you choose to fight with boldness against the things that you may have been reminded of self or maybe the things, you know, you bowing to other guys, whatever it is. We gave examples. Who will you choose to serve today for me and my family? It's like it says in Jeremiah, we're going to serve the Lord. Is it going to be God over self every time? God over self every time. I choose not to deny who I am. At the beginning of January, God told me to be bolder. I didn't know what that meant. I realized I was afraid to use Jesus Christ in my post. I just used God. I used God, and now I'm, I'm done with that. I'm talking about Jesus every time that I can. I have a platform. I have students who listen to me. I have colleagues who trust me. I will speak about the precious name of Jesus Christ until the last breath that's in my lungs. I am not afraid with boldness. I will stand, and I will not bow when they tell me to bow. But that must include myself. Matthew 10, says, whoever denies me before man, him I will also deny before my father who's in heaven. It's our job to not deny who God is. He's so big, there should be no room on the throne. There's only room for him. This week, when you receive the opportunity, I want you to read 1 Kings 18, 36 through 39. Again, 1 Kings 18, 36 through 39. This is another example 
of someone being bold um, is Elijah as he went against the prophets of Baal. And his understanding of how big his God was, he was able to speak boldly against the idol worshipers. And God showed up and showed his greatness. He showed out. Something for you to look at and study. So let's hit this in review. In these last days, people will become lovers of themselves, but be alert and allow God to show you where you stand. Remember your past and current blessings from God. This remembrance will remind you of how big our God is and hopefully help you realize there's no room on the throne for another God. Don't allow the human condition to set in. Keep God on your mind daily through the good and the trials and tribulations. And lastly, boldly deny idols and stand for God. Stand for Jesus Christ. Remember the three Hebrew boys and their boldness. I know I just threw a lot at you. I told my father about this sermon. He said, wow, that is not a milk sermon. That is a meat sermon. I said, yes, sir. I, in 2020, I know there's time for milk sermons, but in these last days, we got to give meat to the people. I don't want to be a lover of myself. I want them, I want people to look at me and say he follows someone greater. As the doors open up for me at CMU and as students from all over this world connect with me, I don't want them to see me when they see me. I want them to see God. It's one of the things God told me. He said, when they're looking at your picture on Facebook, they see you and they don't see me. Because I was on the throne. Are you on your throne? Is somebody else on your throne? Is there another God on your throne? Our God is too big. There's no room on that throne. So I want to pray for us now. And I want us to remember 2 Timothy 3 and 2, that we don't become lovers of self throughout these last days. If you read 2 Timothy 3, 1 through 5, you can preach sermons on all of that stuff for months. I want you all to read the entire passage there to prepare yourself. And may it be a mirror to see how you are living in these last days. Father, I thank you so much for this opportunity to lead your people into your message. Lord, I try my best to show your heartbeat. Lord, I try your best to show my life as an example of where you want us to be. Father, I pray that all those who are listening to this, those in this room, those who are listening to this today, live or later on down the road, I pray, Father, that they will begin to look at themselves to see if they have allowed them to be on the throne with their decision makings, with how they love people, how they serve people, how they hoard things or not. Father, show us ourselves in this time. We want to be so much like you, Lord, that when people see us or hear us, that they don't see the fleshy version of us, but they sense that we worship something greater. And for those at home who 
don't know Christ. And you're listening to me this morning and you say, I want to know the God that you are talking about. That route is through the belief in his son, Jesus Christ. And simply, if you speak with your mouth that you believe in him, according to our Bible in Romans, it says that you will be saved. Will you say this prayer with me? Father, I believe in your son, Jesus Christ. I believe that he is the savior of the world and my savior. I believe that he died on the cross for me and three days he rose again. And by believing in him, I also believe that during my last breath that I will be with him in paradise. I believe that he shed his blood for me and that his blood covers my sins. If you said that this morning, if you believe it, the Bible says the angels in heaven are having a party because you, your name has been written in the book of life. And if you're looking for a church home, I will have to say we're, let's just say God is here. <laughs> I don't want to be a lover of self. <laughs> God is here. And I promise you that if you choose us, that we will try our best to give you the uncompromisable word of God and of our Savior, Jesus Christ. If you are at home, go ahead and give a hand for the word this morning. Well, that's our time with you today. I want to remind you of a couple of things. You know, the 714 prayer this morning is still there. If you're able to follow us on our YouTube or, you know, our Facebook, the pastor every morning at 714, he gives you something special for that day. So go ahead and check out our 714. And also, I talked to Cole this morning. You should have received our bulletin. Um, if you haven't, if you go to our website, you will be able to find a link there. Connect with us. Please remember that our prayer team is going to be here until noon. Go ahead and call. If you gave your life to the Lord or if you want to just pray about, you know, the certain idols in your life, we are here for you. We want to hear your voice. Please continue to check in. Remember to pray for Pastor Miss Diane um, and their family as they are vacating and getting the much needed rest. But we love you and we look forward to seeing you soon.